You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello? We'd love to connect. Well, we believe in miracles. And one of the miracles we're going to be believing for today is to uh, have a, a nice wee short sermon from your pastor who normally, normally gives you nice long sermons. <laughs> or I, I don't know if you've ever had a problem in life that started off small, maybe like, a, um, like a, a weed in your garden that went to seed, started off as one plant, quickly became more than one plant. Maybe it was a, uh, just a little toothache, just a wee one, and then next thing you know, you're in the dentist chair and they're pulling the tooth. Or, you know, in life, a lot of the things that uh, our issues start off small. We, before Sarah and I, we had kids, we, had, um, we went on this Europe trip and we wanted to bless a local youth, youth leader. And youth leaders are known for many things, but tidiness and organization are not, are not two of them, not one of them. And so while we were away, unbeknown to us, we uh, had another wee mouse move in to the house. Maybe it was because the guy didn't wash his dishes for two weeks or something like that, but, uh, but he was li- this, this little mouse was living in a house, just a tiny little mouse. But he had made his home in the lining of our oven, the insulation lining. And I discovered it when I went back there and I filled an entire uh, supermarket bag full of oven lining. What started off as something small, uh, just a tiny little mouse, Nearly, it didn't quite write off the whole oven, which would have been about 1,200 bucks, but it nearly did. And often issues in life look like non-issues right at the start. They don't look like big things. They look like small things at the start. And so for you, uh, for you, some of those things might look like a habit, just a little habit that started off small, uh, something you just kind of fell into, but now it's grabbed a hold of you. In Christian uh, thinking, we talk about strongholds, things in our lives that have kind of got be these big, strong walls that we find it hard to remove uh, from our lives, but they've grabbed a hold of it. It started off small and turned into something big. It might be a habit. Uh, for some of us, it might be a behavior. We say yes when we really mean no. And perhaps some of the reason we might do that is because conflict has been hard to deal with in the past. And so when we really mean no, we'll end up saying yes to something and justifying it to ourselves. But, but our life gets fuller and fuller because of this behavior. And then it starts it started off small but becomes a stronghold that grabs us. We don't like disappointing people. We have a fear of conflict. And so that turns into a stronghold. For some people, it might be a thought pattern that is hard to shake. You find yourself needing, uh, needing to prove yourself to people, prove yourself to someone in your life. And so you work hard, and hard work is a really good thing, and the results of hard work are, are beneficial for your life too. But, uh, but you find yourself doing so out of a motivation to be affirmed as a person. And this t- can turn into a stronghold in our lives because, because sometimes that affirmation is not as free-flowing as we would like. We find ourselves dependent on the praise and the affirmation of others. 
James chapter 4 speaks to the issue of how to get past strongholds in our lives, things that have really grabbed us and held us, things that are holding us back from a full, fuller relationship with God. And it's possible to have the authority of Jesus covering nearly every area of your life, but have tiny little nuggets of things in our lives that if left alone can turn into big problems. Cancer never starts off large. It always starts small, but left alone can turn into something significant. And so the the Apostle James is writing to people about how to get past the things in their lives which are really uh, grabbed a hold of them. In James chapter 4, verse 1, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? This is really harsh language. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You cover but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And at this point, they're saying like, well, that's a little unfair, um, James. Like, you know, we do ask God. We do pray. And, And James goes on to say, well, actually, no, when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Last year, I did a re- I felt called by God to do a really long fast, and I took only liquids, um, some juices and the occasional soup, um, just if we're being honest, <laughs> uh, for 40 days. And um, one of the things I noticed in my life is I'd come home on really hard days, and I'd sit down, and normally on hard days, I'd have some chips after the kids are in bed, and I'd have some chocolate, and I'd just kind of like just settle down myself. But when you're fasting, you can't do that. So I'm sitting down at the table, and I'm just normally, what I'd normally do is eat, but at this situation, all I can do is pray. And I prayed for God to come and be at peace in the situation, and I prayed that He would take this, uh, cha- these challenges off me and replace it with peace. And I realized that God had been wanting to do that in my life for a long time, except instead of praying, I was eating. I was trying to heal something with something that was not a medicine, It couldn't heal. It could only hurt. And God wanted to heal those areas and to help in those areas, but he wasn't given permission to. It was a stronghold in my life. So perhaps for somebody, it looks like an unhealthy spend, somebody with unhealthy spending habits praying for more money or someone who struggles to say no, praying for somebody who comes into their life to say no for them. And God says, no, 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 I I appreciate that you want to move out from this place, but there is a way that you're going to do that. And numbing yourself, like brother, um, our brother Sheer, numbing that pain does not do it. It doesn't bring healing. And solution is what James says in James 4, verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves to God. Well, you've got these things that grab a hold of you. The solution is to submit to God to resist the devil and he will flee from you. The beautiful promise, come near to God and he will come near to you. To move past strongholds in our lives, we need to submit them to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. To come near to God in that area and he'll make his presence known for his light casts out darkness. And the apostle James gives us some really great pointers in this passage of practically how to move past those areas in our lives. And it's, it's not every area. 
for us. In fact, the Holy Spirit, in my experience, tends to focus on just one or two issues at a time. We like to kind of go on a full DIY project through every area of our lives, but he tends to say, no, 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 just, just this one area. I want you to focus on this one area. And so maybe you're in that position, and what I read in this passage is the principle of calling a spade a spade. The first, that's, that's the first thought, is to call a spade a spade. James 4 verse 9 says that grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Why would he say this? Simply because it's, it's better to go uh, and face your problems that cause stress and pain than to ignore them and keep partying like they don't exist. It's better to face your problems even though that, that brings pain in your life, even though that brings a, a healthy grief. Imagine for me for a moment, in terms of calling a spade a spade, you've got two guys in a small group, and, um, and one guy says, when it comes time to share and pray for each other, one guy says, you know what, I've been working so hard, I've uh, really just been struggling to slow down. I feel God calling me to sleep in for the next week. And the other, guy, the, the other chap says, well, it's funny you should mention that because because God's been telling me not to sleep in, but to get up early for the next week. Well, who, who heard from God? Well, the, the truth is, if they were to explain their situation and to kind of get really honest and to call a spade a spade in, in their life, they might say something like this. They might say, uh, I, I know I said that God was telling me to sleep in, but it was because I really find time with God difficult. And I've been running from God. And, 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 when I, and I use work to run away from God because work gives me the sense of performance that affirms who I am. And so as long as I keep working and keep running, then I never have to hear the uncomfortable truths that God has been trying to tell me. And so he's been telling me to slow down and to sleep and to let his peace wash into my life. And the other might say, you know, what? it's funny you say that because I've also find time with God difficult. And I notice that when I'm asleep, if I sleep into a particular time, I just get to rush out the door and I never have to kind of face the things that God's been telling me to face. I never have to stop and reflect. So I feel God telling me to set an alarm in the early morning to let his peace flow over me as I rest in his presence. These men are, are talking about the real issues of life. They're just calling it like it is. They're calling their, their challenges. It's not about whether you're sleeping in or not sleeping in. It's about honesty with where God has called you in that moment. There's power in calling a spade a spade. And so if you're not in a small group, this is such a powerful experience, just being able to just share with it. If you're not in a small group, you can pull out a Connect card and, and just tick that box and pop it in there and someone will be in touch with you. There's, there's small groups at different, different times for different folks. And uh, we'll see if we can make something work for you. But the second thought I have for you today is to move off the fence. To move off the fence. There's a saying uh, in, in our society that oh, I'm just sitting on the fence. It's like I've got one foot in one camp and one foot in the other. And I, I, on some days I'll lean further over here and other days here. But I'm, I'm not in, in either of those camps really. I haven't committed to a side. And uh, James chapter 4 verse 4 gives us a great example of this type of thinking when he calls 
uh, uses a particular word that's actually really offensive. He says, you adulterous people. Wow, that's, that's harsh. That's a harsh image. But it's actually a really accurate image when you think about it. Because somebody who is adulterous has their main chick, like their, their wife or their husband. And they've got, their main, they've got their main person. And they say, oh, this other relationship, it's just for fun. It's, it's not really a thing. And, and, and uh, I just, you know, just blow off a little bit of steam and it's okay. And, but, I, but you're my main, you're my main thing. You're my main relationship. And we just keep this other thing on the side. It's, you don't need to worry about that. This is not a, an experiential thing. You can be assured of that. But, uh, but that's not how healthy relationships work. Everyone in this room knows that you cannot have a healthy marriage and be with two people at one time. It just doesn't work. And so James says, that's actually how you're like with God. We say, God, you can have most of me. There's the old funny thing is, most to Jesus I surrender. Most to him I freely give. I've heard somebody preach that before. You can have most, but I'd like to keep this thing on the side. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about the Jesus. It's just for fun. It's just a little thing I do uh, to blow off a bit of steam. And, and God's saying, no, I need, I need all of you. I want you to bring all of that to me. I want you to move off the fence. This is what the rest of James 4, 4, he says, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, if anyone chooses to be a friend of the world, he becomes an enemy of God. I don't want to get too judgy here because everybody struggles with different things. There are different um, drug addictions. Um, one of them, in my mind, you can, is visible in a person's appearance. You can walk down the road and you can see, oh, that person has taken a lot of this particular drug. It's a visible, visible struggle. And that's one of the challenges when we talk like this, because not everything is visible. In church, if somebody struggles with drug and alco drugs and alcohol, they'll likely receive really good teaching about how to move past that. But the person who struggles with pride is considered confident or a go-getter. But God says, come on, you've got to move off the fence. For one person, it might be this, and for another person, it's that. But it really doesn't matter what you're keeping on the side. Adultery, spiritually, is, is the same struggle. God says you can only serve one master, and your master whom you serve will either lead you to death or life, and you get to choose which master you follow. Is it God or is it something else? So often the things that we struggle with, it almost feels silly to say. It feels silly to, to say, you know, that sleeping in is keeping you from God and someone else, because you don't, someone might call, oh, don't be so crazy, it's just a sleep in. It's not just a sleeping. It's an opportunity to connect with God. I need some help in that area. The third thing that I want to share with you today is that there is always more grace. There's always more grace. Now the, James make this, makes this really clear in, in verse 6 of chapter 4 where he says, but he gives us more grace. That's why the scriptures say God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble, wherever we're at in life, there's always more grace. If your discipline was going to move you out of that place of brokenness in that area of your life, then it would have done it already. So it can't. But the grace of God can. 
more resources are not going to solve this issue. There's no amount of time or money that can bring healing from the past things. There is only the grace of God. Grace is undeserved favor. We didn't earn it. We can't afford it. But God gives it to us anyway. It is grace without limit. And there's always more grace. I've got this mental picture of, uh, of, a, of a son receiving grace as, uh, alongside a servant receiving grace. When a servant makes a mistake and they go to their, their master and they say, oh, Master, I've made this mistake. And master says, I know you don't deserve it, but I forgive you. Go back and get on with your work. It's like, oh, thank you, Master. Oh, it'll never happen. I'm going to be on my best behavior from now on, Master. I, I never, because you don't you never know if the grace is going to be forthcoming if you're behaving as a servant, if you're thinking as a servant. But a son, a son is different. A son expects grace. Our sons expect grace. That's why, that's why one of them came up and he's kind of just swanning around like, I own this place because because he's a son, and he knows I can't tell him off, because I've wired into a mic, but, but sons, they anticipate grace, they expect grace, uh, no son of mine has ever said to me, oh, thank you so much for cooking me dinner tonight, dad, they just turn up at 10 to 5 and say, what's for dinner, because there's an expectation of grace, we're called to be sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus, of, of God the Father, heirs in Christ, we're called to be receivers of grace as sons, not as, not as servants saying, oh, I hope there's a little bit more. No, we've got this deluge of grace that's just poured out over us. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for the grace. I just want to invite the, the keys to come. Imagine for me for a moment on this idea, there's always more grace. There's grace over your mistakes. There's grace over your past. There's grace in the failings that you're doing right now. And there's grace for the failings that, that you will do in the future. There's grace for honest mistakes, and there's grace for, for the things that you should be good at, but you're not, and so there's just grace. As a minister, I, I am so appreciative of the grace that exists over this church, because not every decision's a good one. <laughs> there's still grace, though. There's wonderful grace. Things go wrong, people still get saved. Praise God, there's grace. Praise God, there's grace. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says that we let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. But imagine with me that you get shouted a fully expenses paid cruise. Yeah, <laughs> might be waiting a while. But you, you say, so you board this cruise and everything is expenses fully paid. But you go aboard and you say, oh, wow, that looks like a really fancy restaurant. Couldn't possibly eat in that restaurant. It's, it's just way too fancy for me. I'm sure that the steak will probably even have beautiful sauces. Like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that. Even though it's free, even though it's an act of grace, yeah, I couldn't possibly do that. Oh, crackers, I'm more of a crackers person. I'll just have crackers in my room, totally fine. And then, you get, and then there's a free, free snorkeling trip. Oh, I couldn't possibly do snorkeling. Oh, that's way too extravagant. Oh, no, I couldn't receive that kind of grace. Now, that seems crazy to us because we would never turn down something that has been so freely given. We would go into that. We would do everything. I don't know about you, but I'd be top to the bottom of the show. I'll find out absolutely everything I can do that's included in my thing because there's, there's a, it's a grace gift. 
But yet so many of us decline the things, the grace of God, because it feels too extravagant. So many of us say, well, it's, it's enough that Jesus paid for my sin. I couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly ex- fully experience the presence of the Holy Spirit flood my body as an act of grace. I'm just going to hang back from that because I'm okay with my sins being covered. But God says there's more. There's grace. God's, you might say, well, you know, it's enough that Christ has died for me. I couldn't possibly let him bless my finances. I make so many financially bad calls. I couldn't possibly allow him to do that. It's just too much grace. And we say, no, no, God says, I, I want to bless that area too. And, and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to teach you and I'm going to bless you so that you can move into greater freedom. We say, oh, Lord, I just feel lazy in the area of fitness. I don't deserve grace because I just, for whatever reason, just feel lazy. I practice laziness. and We can say, God, I know that your grace is real. I need you to lead me and help take next steps in this area to regain control. And there's grace there. Some of us might be saying, you know what, when it comes to our family relationships, I've been out of line lately. I've been grumpy and I've been whatever. I've been out of line, but I I feel awkward expecting grace in that area from the throne of God. But God says, no, there's grace. But you've just got to let me into that area. You say, God, I need you to know, I need to know your love and I need to, I need you to help me anyway. Would you lead me? I don't deserve it. I don't deserve your blessing in these areas or your favor in these areas, but would you lead me? Show me how to move past this. Whatever the area it is for you, there's always more grace. And today as we close our service, there's a moment, I don't know if you've ever boarded a ship. Uh, The metaphor works for a plane as well, but seeing as we've talked about ships, we'll go for ships. I don't know if you've ever boarded something. There's this understanding before you board a ship that you place the control of where you're going in the hands of the captain. You can't board a cruise and then go and say, listen, I know this cruise is going for Fiji, but I, you know, Brisbane's nice this time of year too. And to redirect the whole ship, you can't do that. You have to choose to place your destination in the hands of the captain. And when it comes to the Christian life, you have to make that decision with Jesus too. If you're going to board the ship of life, if you're going to accept all that God has for you, there has to be this moment where you say, God, I don't know where you're going to take me on this, but I need to know that you're with me because I know that you walk alongside every person whom gives you permission to walk alongside, because I know that you're in these people's lives and there's a degree of brokenness that I just need to surrender, because of all of that, I am going to surrender control of my life to you, God. I'm going to board the ship knowing that you and you alone has control over where it's going. And so at at the end of each one of our services, as many as possible, we like to give people an opportunity to Say, yeah, God, we call you the captain of salvation, Jesus. I want to give you control over my life. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, 
in this moment, I wanna tell you that God loves you. He knows you. And we've all chosen to dismiss Him, to remove Him from our lives. We've all chosen to do our own thing. And the Bible defines selfish living, living to please self as sin. And the really destructive thing about sin is that it it chooses separation from God. The Bible says that people don't, uh, God God doesn't send people to, to hell. People choose to go there. You might say, well, why would anybody choose to go there? Well, people are choosing to go there right now because we value selfishness and and self-driven living over connection with the Most High God. And so maybe you're in a place where you're saying, Pete, I want to stop that. I realize that's been my life, but I'm going to stop that. I'm going to choose right now. I'd like to lead you in a prayer, and we're all going to pray this prayer together. And so you just pray out loud along with everybody else. With every head bowed and eye closed, would you pray with me today? Say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life, and I turn to you. Come in and be the Lord of my life captain of my ship and make me brand new today I choose from this day forward to live for you thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast for more information about our church you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am 